Hi, I'm Julia Lubin. I'm a model turned makeup artist and writer. I'm also the host of this podcast, the MUA Chronicle Podcast. Join me here every Tuesday as I pull back the curtain on the latest in beauty, fashion, and pop culture. I'm here to demystify the hype and give it to you real. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Makeup Artist Chronicle. I'm your host, Julia Lubin, and I'm excited to be here. I'm always excited to be here, but I'm especially excited today because it is one of my favorite kinds of episodes. I am answering listener questions. And thank you so much for everyone who sent in questions, emailed, DM'd. I have some pretty good ones here, and I love it when I get to interact with you guys, get to answer some recurring questions that multiple people have. And so that's what this entire episode is devoted to. Um, Let's just jump into it, shall we? So the first question, I think, is very timely. I think a lot of people will relate to it. Here it goes. Now that it's colder outside, my skin feels so dry. The skin around my nose is chapped. My lips are chapped. What do I do? Help, please. I think this is super, super relevant, um, especially you know if you're in the United States like I am or just in the Northern Hemisphere in general. The seasons are changing. We are going from summer to fall, and a lot of us were quarantining or staying indoors if we could have for the most part. Like for me, my summer was spent primarily indoors. And so now a lot of things are reopening and a lot of people are going back outside and it's it's a little jilting for me, but it's specifically jilting to my skin and a lot of other people's skin. I definitely feel myself going drier. Um, and I think that this is just our skin changes as the seasons change. And so if you have an oily skin, you might find that you're actually producing more oil. If you have a drier skin or normal skin, you might find that your skin is going drier or it's getting chapped like this one listener. So this is something that people have asked me a lot about and it's, you know, how do I deal with this? So hydration is going to be key here, but it's not only upgrading your, you know, your face cream, right? It's, It's going to be every single part of your skincare routine, whatever that may be. Now, I know some of you guys have a skincare routine that's maybe like two or three steps and you're done. And then some other folks maybe have a 20-step skincare routine or they have a few steps they do in the morning and then different products they use at night. And so this is going to be something that's applicable to everyone. Um, Basically, look at the things that you are currently using and look at their ingredients. If you are using things with an acid, right? So a salicylic acid or an alpha hydroxy or beta hydroxy, these things are um, chemical exfoliants. And so they really help with things like congested skin, acne, um, but they can dry out the skin a little bit more. And so you don't necessarily have to stop using these things. You just have to make sure that um, you have balance. And so the other things in your routine are amped up a little bit more. So say you have a topical cream like a retinol that you use at night. 
So you're going to want to look at your cleanser and you're going to want to look at your face cream or your face oil or whatever else you use. And you're going to want at least one of those to be a little bit more gentle and a little bit more hydrating. So for example, you can get a cleanser that's a little bit more hydrating, a little bit more gentle on the skin. It's not going to necessarily strip skin, or you can just get an ultra luxe face cream. And so you don't have to completely upend your entire routine. If you have the the desire and the finances to invest in that, go for it 100%. But sometimes it just takes swapping out one thing for another. So I think one of the easiest things to do is to just swap out or add a more luxurious face cream. Now, I'm not saying you have to go straight up La Mer or anything like that. You can do like a Walita skin food, which is more of like a balm and it's uh, plant-based and it's very, very hydrating. And so you can use that around the areas where maybe you get chapped or you know, get more of a milky jelly cleanser versus something that you use to, to strip your face or remove your makeup. Um, for me personally, I have a retinol that I use. I also have a, an acne cream that I use. Both of those are very drying for me. So when it goes into the colder winter weather, I definitely use a more gentle hydrating face cream. So I was using Cetaphil. I was using the Fenty makeup remover cleanser as well in the summer, but now I've swapped to the Pacifica Vegan Collagen Cleanser just because it is more hydrating and it is more emollient and more gentle. It's also vegan. And so basically you want to make sure that you're not going to use anything that your skin's going to react negatively towards because your skin's probably already reacting negatively to the weather and the environment. So I just swap out my cleanser. And then I also have a fairly rich face cream that I use. Um, But what I do is I start, so I swap out my nighttime. I have a face cream that I use daytime and nighttime, but when it's the colder months, especially, you know, at night we sleep with the window open or, you know, we like to let the cold in. And so I use a very, very rich CBD face oil. And that kind of locks in a lot of the moisture and a lot of the products that I use at night. And so it just depends on what you currently use, what you're able to substitute financially speaking, and then finding a substitution that's a little more rich, a little more emollient, a little bit more plant-based versus, you know, chemically based. I'm a big proponent of clean beauty. And the other thing that I would say is that even though the days are getting shorter and maybe the weather is getting a little bit gloomier, depending on where you are, do not skimp on your SPF. And I say this all the time and I've started to end my show by saying, you know, don't forget your sunscreen. But the reality is that no matter how gray it is, no matter how overcast, no matter how cold, use your sunscreen, use your SPF. It is going to be what helps your skin stay the healthiest it can. So if you have specific questions about like products, let me know, um, slide into my DMs or email me and I'll be able to kind of look at your routine and then help you sub things out based on your budget or your interests. Um, But if you are looking for just a general suggestion, I really, really love the vegan collagen line from Pacifica. They sent me the whole line. It's brand new and I've been using it and my skin really, really loves it. So It's also affordable. I think you can get it at like Target and stuff. It's less than $15 
$15.15 per product in the line. And they have a, a cleanser, a serum, a night cream, a day cream with SPF built in, an eye cream. So you can just stock up on that collection and then see how it goes from there. I hope that helped. But again, let me know if you have specific questions for the products that you use. When I was younger, I overplucked my eyebrows because thin brows were the vibe. Don't I know it? I, same. <laughs> now I want my full brows back. Is there anything I can do to get them back? I've tried, I've tried so many brow serums, but nothing works. Ooh, okay. I, I have the same issue or I had the same issue. I started plucking my brows in junior high school. It was the early 2000s. Sperm brows were really in, you know, where it was like you had a little chunk in the front and then it like really thinned out towards the end. Not cute at all. They look like commas that had fallen over. So there are a few things I want to note. Can you get healthy brows that grow back? Potentially. Yes. What is it contingent on? It's contingent on the state of your hair follicles. So much like the follicles on our head, the like our brows are very similar. So continuous trauma, like waxing, tweezing, things like that, can essentially kill the follicle, the hair follicle. It we'll put it through so much trauma that the hair follicle will just stop producing what it needs to and pushing hair out. And if that's the case, then unfortunately you can't revive that follicle. A follicle that's dead is just dead forever. And even if you put things like topical things onto it, it's not going to come back. Now here is the somewhat good news. Some follicles may seem dead, but for the most part, they're just dormant and they need to be revived a little bit. So for this, you're going to need to stimulate them. So take a spoolie brush or a, a clean mascara wand, something like that, and just make sure that you're brushing your brows every single day, even twice a day if you want to. Don't go too hard. Don't, don't like put them through any more trauma, but just brush your brows, brush the area around your brows, and you're going to stimulate the follicles to wake up and to kind of be like, oh, whoa, whoa, we're sleeping on the job. And then you can also use a serum and you can get a prepackaged serum. Um, you can get something that's either a prescription, like a Latisse. You can get something over the counter. I use Lilash on my eyelashes, which I really love. They also have a brow serum. The Billion Dollar Brows Serum is also great. Um, or you can use castor oil. The thing about it is that the products that you get over the counter are just, they have collagen, they have vitamin E, they have a bunch of vitamins that will help your hair grow strong, but it won't necessarily promote and stimulate those that follicle production. Something like a Latisse will because it's essentially Rogaine for your face. So just kind of see where you're at with that. Start by just brushing with a spoolie, your brows every day, twice a day, sometimes area around your brow, stimulating that. And then castor oil or a serum or even a prescription serum, if that's something that's your vibe. And what you'll see is that some of those uh, hair follicles that were dormant are actually going to revive themselves. They're going to come back to life. They're going to start producing hair. 
the kind of rub of it all is that there's no real way to predict which follicles are dormant versus which ones are dead, which, which versus, you know, well, actually that's it. Cause you know, which ones are active because you see hair coming out of them. So the reality is that you might get some hair growth, like a resurgence of hair growth, but it may be patchy or it may be not what you expect. And at the end of the day, if you are someone that this is something very, very bothersome for you, this is more than just an inconvenience. This is something that um, you're very frustrated that you have to fill your brows in or um, you've tried, um, what's it called, microblading and it just hasn't worked for you. Or um, this is something that really kind of cripples your self-esteem that's when you're going to want to go to a dermatologist because what a dermatologist is able to do is they're able to analyze which of the follicles are dormant, which of the follicles are dead and what could be done. And at the end of the day, there is something called an eyebrow transplant. So you can get what's essentially like hair plugs for your eyebrows. It's, I feel like not enough people talk about this as an option, but it is pricey. It is more pricey than like a serum and a spoolie. It also depends on where you're at. If you're someone that you're at the end of your rope, you need your brows to come back, you feel so self-conscious about it, and you've already spent thousands and thousands of dollars on serums and brow pencils and all that, go to a dermatologist, see what they can do, either a prescription or a transplant, because it's it may be an investment that's worth making for your lifestyle. But start with the start with the spoolie, the exfoliation, the stimulation, the castor oil serum, things like that, and then see how they grow back because you will get some regrowth. It's just not a guarantee that it'll be in a perfect arch. You know what I mean? I've recently followed you on Instagram and love your content. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, I need to know what is up with your lashes. I have short lashes and yours are goals. What is your secret? Ah, I love you so much. Thank you for being an active listener, for engaging, for sending this question. Um, So I actually mentioned this as I was answering the last question. I use Lilash, which ultimately is a over-the-counter serum. It is a little bit pricey. I think it's like $100 for a month supply. Yeah, one hundred and ten dollars for a month supply, and then like one sixty for a three month supply. I think, but ultimately, it's a it has collagen, it has vitamin E, it has all of these really great strengthening proponents that help hair grow stronger and fuller. But it's the same thing as I was saying in the brow section: is if your lashes are short, like if they're falling out or they're prone to breakage, this may be a really good product for you. If you are someone that you want more fullness, you want more volume, then you're not necessarily going to be able to get that from a serum. So what a serum does is it just, it's like putting leave-in conditioner on your hair. It allows your lashes and your brows to grow stronger, to grow longer without breaking, and to ultimately just keep them super, super healthy. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see your natural lashes growing to their full potential, but you're not going to get any new growth in areas where you don't have lashes. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles um, with these kind of products. Now, Latisse may be a little bit different because Latisse does promote hair growth because like I was saying, it's essentially Rogaine that's been sanctioned as safe 
to use on your face. So you may want to look at a Latisse option if that's something that is an option for you. You can do it by talking to a dermatologist or your primary care provider. There are also a lot of services online like HERS, I think, um, the brand that does um, like JLo has been a sponsor for them recently, or they've been a sponsor for JLo. It's um, vitamins, it's like Rogaine, it's lash serum, it's birth control. It's all of these things for women's uh, personal care products. And then I think there's Romy or Rory is another one, but essentially these are like telemedicine options where you'd be able to get a prescription for Latisse without going in and seeing a doctor um, or establishing care or anything like that. And you just pay out of pocket for the services. So that's always an option for you if you want to try it. Ultimately, I would say start off with, again, like a castor oil or a vitamin E. Make sure it's something that's safe to use around your eyes, but use that to condition your lashes like a leave-in conditioner for your lashes. Do it every night before bed and see how it works. If you want to go the route of lilash, don't make the mistake that a friend of mine did where I was using it. She saw my lashes and she was like, I'm going to get it for myself. She got it. She put it on once in the morning and then once at night, the very first time she used it, her eyes got red and swollen and the skin got all dry. And the reality is like, whenever you introduce anything new, especially something that helps promote lash growth or anything that you're not naturally producing, start slow and work your way up. Similar to like a retinol or something like that. So if you do go the lilash route, or the Latisse route, make sure that you read the instructions and follow them to the T just because you use more isn't going to get you more growth faster. So just be mindful. It takes diligence. It takes patience. And ultimately, if at the end of the day, you can't be bothered, then falsies are always a great way to go. Either extensions, which I'm not that big of a fan of, but um, falsies, a friend of mine, I've talked about it before. I've interviewed her on the spot. Um, But Saucy Mommy Lashes is an incredible brand for false lashes. If you are sad about your lashes, but not enough to commit to like a everyday kind of routine involving them. So check that out. Um, Yeah. Castor oil, Lilash, Latisse, Saucy Mommy Lashes. That's the full arsenal of support. Last question, because I don't want to go on and on and on for this episode. My promise was to make it less than a half an hour every episode. So here we go. Keep it short and brief and to the point and ending with a really fun one. I want to be a makeup artist. I've learned so far. Oh, everything I've learned so far is from YouTube. Should I go to school for it? Well, personally, I think I should read because I butchered that delivery. I apologize to the person that sent this in. Um, This is a very interesting question because I feel like there are so many free resources out there, whether it's uh, YouTube, whether it's Instagram, TikTok. Our world is full of just open sourceware of all of these resources and all this knowledge. And personally, I had been self-educated for years before I decided to go take a course in New York City and get certified and get like a diploma and all that for makeup artistry. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you it's more important what you do with your craft 
than the credentials that you have. Now, this is not, some states, depending on their kind of, their laws will require makeup artists to have a certificate of some kind. So look into your state's regulations, because if you're, you live in a state where you're required to have a certification and then that cert, that license requires you to go to school, like that's going to be a different conversation, but look into that firsthand and then also look at the other options. So I did a one month long intense boot camp makeup artistry course in New York City. I didn't go to full-fledged like four-month, eight-month uh, cosmetology school. And the result is I didn't learn how to do hair. I didn't learn how to do nails. I didn't learn how to do like give facials and like that kind of stuff. I just learned primarily like how to prep skin, how to do a red lip, a smoky eye, how to do makeup application, how to like price uh, your services, how to work how to do an editorial look look versus a uh, bridal look versus a runway look versus, you know, those kind of things. So if you already have the full skill set and you are somewhere where you are not required to have a license, then it may not be necessary for you to go to school. It's going to be more necessary for you to apply your skills and to continuously practice your craft. So if you're invested every day in learning a little bit more about what it is to be a makeup artist, not only the artistry part, but the business part, you know, how to network, how to make connections, how to get an agent, if that's something you're interested in, um, how to talk about products, how to deal with people with allergies, how to like work on sets. All of these different things are important in being a makeup artist. It's not only the artistry. So if you, um, do something every day, even if it's a little something like five minutes where you are expanding your knowledge of what it is to be a makeup artist and how to support yourself in this business. And then also like make sure you're practicing your craft, find other creatives to network with, do projects with, collaborate with, um, do the research where you are of what the going rates are for makeup artists. And the biggest tip I will give you is do every kind of makeup artistry you can get your hands on. So if you have a wedding, like if you're doing bridal, do bridal makeup. If you are doing a editorial, right? Like you, you hooked up with some creatives and you're doing a photo shoot, do the editorial. So do bridal, do editorial, do men's grooming, do um, like a no makeup headshot, corporate headshot type vibe. Do all of the different types of makeup. Don't pigeonhole yourself in one style because what you like to do on yourself maybe isn't necessarily going to be what fulfills you otherwise. Like for example, I have done, I've worked backstage at New York Fashion Week. I've done editorials where I've been published. I've done uh, corporate headshots. I've done bridal. So I've done a variety of different, um, makeup jobs, you know, TV movies, red carpet. And it was through that, that I was able to say like, Oh, well, bridal isn't really my jam because like, that's more of like, you're going to love bridal. If you're someone that loves to help other people really actualize their visions and really support people and what they want. I'm someone that I'm a creative, so I need to just be able to like throw something wild together 
and like have it work as couture because I feel the need to creatively express myself. And so I have found that editorial is one of my favorite places to work because you're on set. So you're collaborating with the photographer, you're collaborating with the hairstylist, you're collaborating with the creative director, you're doing all of these things, you're working as you go and you come together to have a result that is very unique. It's very, um, I mean, obviously it's very beautiful to look at, but it's, it was a team effort and it was something that really allowed you to express yourself. So do all of the different types, get the experience, find out what are you good at? What do you love? And then pursue that avenue because, and, and that's not to say you only choose one of those categories. You might like all of it, but understanding what you, uh, what really fulfills you is what's going to allow you to stay excited about the work that you're doing. Because it's one thing to say, I really love doing my own makeup. I really love watching YouTube tutorials. I really love the industry. And then going into the industry and saying, oh, I don't really like to do bridal. You know what I mean? So like expose yourself to all of the different elements of the industry, continue to practice your craft, continue to evolve, get the jobs any way you can. Um, Social media is really great for that. Network, network, network. And then, you know, build out your portfolio as much as you can just build out your portfolio and just know that patience, perseverance, and doing it consistently and pushing on, even when you feel like I'm not going to make it, it's not going to work. Keep pushing through because you will make it and you will succeed. And you will be the one that does because all of the other people that had the same vision or the same desire, they already quit. They said they heard the word no too many times and they quit because the beauty industry, any, any industry in general, but specifically like the makeup artist field, especially since it's been exploding in recent years is a world of no, there, there's a lot of rejection out there. And so fortify yourself against that. And I would say my last note on that is if you want to go to school for like nails, hair, facial, esthetician, cosmetology, go to school for the full gambit. You know what I mean? You might find out you want to be more than a makeup artist. Or if you have a program like I took where it's just like a month or two boot camp, you can afford it, take it because odds are those classes are being taught by uh working artists in the industry that then you can learn their knowledge, but also you can kind of build that relationship to be like, Hey, do you need an assistant? Do you know anyone else in the industry that needs an assistant? And that like school makeup school is a really great place to not only hone your skills, but also to learn how to network and learn the different parts of business that you're, you're a small business owner. And you have an employee base of one as a makeup artist. You're the owner, you're the proprietor, you're the the number one employee. And so you have to understand what it's like to market yourself, to network for yourself, and to price yourself at a competitive enough rate. Because it's not only about your own value, it's about the value of everyone else in the industry. So don't sell yourself short and don't set the bar too low. Um, so if you have the means, the opportunity, and the desire, do boot camp, go to school, great. But make sure you are really 
utilizing it for everything that it can give you. And you're not just there to check off a box. Awesome. Well, I hope that was helpful. Um, I only got to four questions today because I I didn't want to just keep going on and on and on. But I really, really want to thank all of the people that sent these questions in. And also there were a few other people that um, had similar questions or the same questions, um, but asked me kind of slid into my DMs in a more casual manner or whatever. Um, So everyone that you have sent in your questions or you have interacted with me or any of my content, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I started this process as kind of an audio journal for myself and my own journey, and it's kind of evolved into a beautiful little community. So thank you so much for being a part of it. As always, email me, julia at julialubin.com directly with any comments, questions, concerns, etc. DM me at MUA Chronicle on all of the socials. I will talk to you again next week. And until then, remember, wear your sunscreen. Always, always wear your sunscreen. Bye.